Hello, prayer friend. Once again, thank you for listening in to our prayer cast from AfriChrist Prayer Ministries, the ministry that reaches out to the busy person, the millennials, the professionals of all fields, and to the underchurched, uh, often unreached people. These podcasts are the ones that help you to develop footsteps with impact in your prayer life. We believe the scripture that says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. We also believe, just like Jesus did and the disciples, Paul and the prophets of old, that our prayers should have impact every time. And so we believe in praying with impact in our ministry. Jesus never prayed a prayer that failed, and he never sent out a command that didn't achieve its intended purpose. He prayed and commanded with words of impact. We are confident that the Bible-based prayer principles that we teach never fail. The Bible says that God's word never comes back to him void. If our prayers are initiated of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, then they will never come back void to us. Please thank you again for listening in. Download this and send it to your friends. We would appreciate if we recommend our prayer cast to your friends. Uh, we would also appreciate if you recommend our app, Afri Christ, to your friends. This app can be downloaded from the Apple App Store, and also the Google Play Store. It's the same app for both platforms. It's very well done, and it reaches out to people like you. Thank you once again, and may God bless you as you're listening. Thank you. Hello, friends. Sam Kawesa here from AfriChrist Prayer Ministries, again with another episode of our podcast, our prayer podcast, which we call Prayer Casts. Today we're going to be teaching and learning to pray about um, legacy. Today is picking the right choices for the road to your divine legacy. God wants us to have a meaningful legacy. That is, for us to leave footsteps behind that others can walk through and follow through. So in other words, destiny is a continuation and the continuation we call it legacy. So now here we are all familiar many times with statements that are made about someone's legacy. You know, an individual has died and they tell us, oh, he left such and such a legacy. And at funerals, because people are sad, the legacy of the people is misrepresented. You notice that uh, the legacy is always good. They always tell you he did this and this. People want to say good things about someone who's passed regardless of what they did or how bad they were. But actually, in truth, not everybody leaves a good legacy. Some legacy is not good. And the Bible has instances of people who did not leave a good legacy. One thing about God, he tells us exactly things the way they happened. Legacy should not be considered as an end point of life, you know, or an existence. But, you know, it's like a chain that continues and other people keep following through with it. We should have a purposeful living while we are creating this legacy. But many times, though, that's not what really happens. A lot of people turn out to be what not God intended them to be. And thus, they do create a legacy for sure, but that legacy either short-circuits what God had planned for them or it accentuates what God had created them to be. And so, in other words, they will leave either positive or negative image as far as God is concerned. God's intention is not just a mere mention of achievements of our lives at death. Rather, God wants us to have a meaningful 
you know, and fulfilling legacy for us to leave behind. The best way that this can be done or achieved is uh, by following a certain roadmap with a proven track record. You know, while the path may be different for every individual, the collective path of a group of people should really be a positive image of what God wants us to be. I think the best thing to do is to first give you the English language definition of the word legacy from uh, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Then you'll have a better picture of where we're going. There are about three definitions that I'm going to use that are in in the dictionary. The first one is this. A legacy is a gift by will, especially of money or other personal property. For example, when someone dies, they may say that uh, she left a legacy of a million dollars and other property. So that's the first definition. It's a gift by will. Then the second definition is something transmitted by or received from the from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past legacy. And then the third one they have is a candidate or membership in an organization such as a school or fraternal order. Now, on this last one, they give the example of Harvard. You know, they say that the children of those parents who went to Harvard are three times as more likely to be accepted at Harvard than other students, even if they had a lower grade uh, in high school. And the reason is that, you know, Harvard has created this legacy of families, of people who have gone to Harvard and their children doing the same, not just Harvard, but even other schools. So here we see a legacy of membership. And then we have also seen a legacy as a gift passed on. But also we have seen, number two, which was that a legacy received from ancestor or predecessor from the past by their actions. And for that, I can say something like, for example, if you look at some countries that have been at war for a long time, when the young people were, um, um, when young people were born, they have seen nothing but war. For example, if some of those children in, in Iraq or in Somalia, all they have seen is war. And they have grown up knowing nothing but the legacy of war that their um, parents have uh, left behind. And so their actions and the way they react to things is going to be very uh, much similar to that of someone who is aggressive possibly or someone who has suffered mentally in, in emotionally different ways because all they have seen is suffering. And so there is a legacy that we create by the actions that we do take or the things that we do. Now, God wants us to create a legacy as his children. Now, from the English definition, you can see that a legacy entitles one to certain privileges already established by a common bond of activities. It also, you know, carries an inherent responsibility uh, for the people who come after to maintain it, you know, following certain guidelines. This maintains the continuity and the connectivity of purpose. And that's why I said earlier about a chain, that legacy creates a chain. It's not just a matter of destiny. God's definition of legacy is encapsulated in his promises. You know, we shall use such such promises as references here. But, you know, God makes certain promises to us and that creates a roadmap of where to go. Uh, one of the best ways that to illustrate this is through the famous um, Jeremiah 29, 11 verse. 
You know, that's a verse of legacy and promises. You know, God says that, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans uh, for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I'll be found by you. So here we see that God is promising us that um, there is a roadmap that I have for you. But not only does he promise about a roadmap, he also promises that if you call me in case you need me to redirect, to show you what to do, when you pray, I'll hear you and I'll answer you. That's a promise from God. And that's a track record that God has created for, uh, you know, uh, as long as man has known God. In Jeremiah 29, 11, really God is giving us a promise of continuity and, you know, uh, and connection to him as long as we call him in prayer. And that's what he says. If you call me, I'll answer. His guidelines are really simple. He says that, you know, you pray and you seek him. And not only will he be found, but that he will answer. So we have to be making some choices in order for us to fall into God's plan for our destiny. Now, first of all, the divine legacy will be affected by our view of God himself or, you know, how we look at God or how we regard him. And this is what I mean by this. We should not accept God for who he is based on what we see around us. For example, we may see some people who are really mean. They may be in authority. They may be in power. And they are are people who abuse the power that they have. And they may even claim to believe in God or to be uh, Christians. But they are doing things that are really anti-Christian. They could be parents, you know, someone's parents and they are Christian, they go to church, they do all those things that are quote-unquote Christian, but they may be abusing their children. And so many times the children may not want anything to do with God. They may be even in ministry and they are like, I do not want to believe or do the same thing that my parents have done because I've seen the inside work of the home and I know that my home has not been as Christian as it should be. And so a lot of people may decide to say, I'm not going to believe in, I don't believe in God because I saw what those people have done. Uh, We've seen it in many times where people are look at uh, pastors or ministers of the gospel who have gone astray, who have done wrong. Say, for example, in the Catholic Church, there have been a lot of uh, 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 priest priest abuse of uh, young boys. And then in other churches, uh, not just Catholic, many people abuse um, finances. Many people abuse uh, sexually, abuse um, uh, each other. Could be men or women, it doesn't matter. And so what happens is people look at that and they start judging God based on what they have seen supposedly the followers of God have been doing. But my point here is do not judge God based on what other people have done who, uh, when those people have claimed to be representing God. And now even though your destiny has already been set, it's not guaranteed though. You know, what do I mean by that? Say, for example, you have to do certain things. You have to walk certain ways. You have to go through certain plans or paths in order for your destiny to be what God wants it to be. In other words, God gives you the chance to make your own choices. And these choices should be out of conviction that, yes, this is what I want to do because I know it's the right thing to do, because I know it's the God thing to do. Now, even though your destiny has already been set, in other words, God has set a, a, a destiny for you to create this legacy, it's not guaranteed. You have to make personal choices to get to it. 
this is illustrated very well in the Bible. In fact, the examples that we're going to be looking at when uh, Bible characters such as Jacob and Joseph and David were, you know, were about to pass on, they brought their children and they told them um, what to do, you know, do this, follow this, do the other, and following the paths that I've created so that this will be fulfilled. Now, we use David um, speaking to Solomon as our first example in this podcast of a blessed family legacy because we're going to look at three kind of, four kind of legacies. We're going to look at a legacy of blessing, and then we're going to look at two, which are legacies of curses, and then we, we look finally at the legacy of redemption. And um, the first one that we're going to look at is the legacy that was established by David and then continued on by his son Solomon. Um, The other uh, examples we're going to look at are the examples of Eli and his sons and the prophet Samuel and his sons. And we're going to see how those uh, families their legacy that God wanted them to follow was short-circuited by the children, by the sons. Even though their fathers, uh, in this case Samuel and Eli, set a very good example, the sons did not follow through. And so they created what we would call a family curse. And that family curse of all people, Samuel and Eli, especially Samuel, even though he was a godly man, his sons were able to short-circuit that uh, that legacy of the destiny that God created wanted them to have in that family. Now, the Bible says that our family blessings will go up to a thousand generations and that the curses will go up to three generations. But as we shall see, the saving grace of Jesus Christ cuts that time to even instantly because now we are adopted into the family of God. What does that mean to us? It means that, you know, we have a chance. At least if we don't do anything else, the curses will run out in three generations. However, if we create a blessing for our families, for our progeny, it will go on to a thousand generations and, of course, until it is short-circuited. So let's look at the legacy of Solomon and David. In this incident, we see the legacy that was firmly established because Solomon followed his father David's advice. David passed the mantle of leadership on to his son uh, as he was uh, going to die. And he called him and he says in uh, 1 Kings 2, 1 through 4, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says, As the time of King David's death approached, he gave his charge, this charge to his son Solomon. I am going where everyone on earth must go someday. Take courage and be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, the commands, the regulations and the laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. If you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise he made to me. He told me, if you, if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. And then he goes on to say in 1 Kings 2.12, Solomon became king and sat on the throne of David, his, his father, and the kingdom was firmly established. And the same thing would happen to us if we lay a foundation for our families, for our children, 
for all those that we lead, we create a legacy of promises that are positive. We create a legacy of a blessing and it can go on to a thousand generations. And as we know, the family of David from that same family came Jesus. And so we can do the same thing in our generations. We can avoid these so-called family curses by just directing our young people, our children, to uh, just follow God, do the things of God. We show them how to do it. They're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect because neither are we. But we know one thing, that if we set that legacy, it is a positive legacy that can go on up to a thousand generations because God promised that if we call upon him, if we pray, he will hear us and he will answer us. The best way to prevent family curses is to follow the legacy that God has given us rather than wait until something happens and then we try to reverse the curses. Now, we're going to see two instances of where these people uh, short-circuited the work of their fathers. We start with the uh, sons of Eli. Now, the sons of Eli were very corrupt. Eli was serving in the temple, and as you know, Eli is the same guy who raised up Samuel. And um, when, when Hannah prayed for a child, Samuel was the child that came. And Samuel was brought to the temple as a young boy and Eli basically mentored him in the things of God. But also his son, uh, the Bible doesn't really tell us until we see the effects of what they were doing, that they were also serving God or supposedly serving God. Now there was really not much we can say about this, but if you just listen to what the Bible says, it will tell you the story very well. And this is in First Samuel chapter 2, verse 22 to 32, it says, Now Eli was very old, and he was aware that what his sons were doing to the people of Israel, he knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Eli said to them, I have been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things that you're doing. Why do you keep sinning? You must stop, my sons. The reports I hear from the Lord's people are not good. If someone sins against another person, God may mediate for that guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? But Eli's sons would not listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with the people. And the Bible continues, One day a man of God came to Eli and gave him this message from the Lord. I revealed myself to your ancestors when they were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. I chose your ancestor Aaron from among all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer sacrifices at my altar, to burn incense, and to to wear the priestly vest as he served me. And I assigned the sacrificial offerings to you priests. So why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? For you and they have become fat from the best of the offerings from of my people, Israel. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I promise that your branch of the tribe of Levi would always be my priest, but I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. The time is coming when I will put an end to your family, so it will no longer serve as my priests. All the members of your family will die before their time. None will uh, reach their old age. You will watch with envy 
as I pour out prosperity on the people of Israel, but no members of your family will ever live out their days. And then in 1 Samuel 3.13 it says, I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he has not disciplined them. So you see, that's what happens when we do not discipline or stop things from happening. Now, Eli did talk to his sons, but he did not stop them. That's the difference. He did not discipline them. He did not set rules and say, if you do this, this is going to happen. If you don't do this, this will not happen. I'm going to make sure you don't do this, you don't get this. But no, he just talked to them. And that's why God says that he honored them more than he did honor God. So talking is not enough. We have to set limits and when they are crossed, we have to say, no, this is what's going to happen. In other words, there have to be consequences in the family, in the church, when certain things happen or else that family is going to be cut off. This is a beginning of a family curse. We talk so much about family curse. But you know, you can use this same example. If God could do this to a priestly family and cut them off, how about your family if you do not show your children or your family or your people what to do? And so the thing is, we can prevent family curses before they do happen by just following the legacy that God wants us to create. So what legacy are you creating? This was a family which... um, where the father was serving in the temple faithfully, where the father was mentoring a prophet, but then he short-circuited or his children short-circuited the legacy of the family by the things that they were doing. In fact, some of those things that they were doing, we see them in the church today, where the uh, women of the church are not respected in the sense that, uh, you know, the men men in the church or the uh, priests of the church, they just go with these women left and right. And there's no repentance. There's no turning back. And when they do repent, it's it's an arrogant way they do it. You know, like, um, in other words, they're saying that, well, such and such caused me to do this. My wife caused me to do this. No. Repentance should be turning up, turning back and saying, I did this wrong and I'm not going to do it again and then turn around. But usually what happens in the church is that the justification of the sin and then it goes on and then the person, you know, just comes back or whatever it is. But what we have to do is to break that family curse. We have to stop certain things from happening. Talking is not enough. We should have consequences to the things that are done. And so... This is the the first example of the ne- of short circuiting God's legacy that He has set for our destiny. The second example is actually from Samuel himself. Samuel's sons, you know, uh, they were corrupt, just like we see corruption in the church or in governments. Despite what Samuel did for uh, for God, this, his family shows us a legacy of corruption and power. Uh, that we see today in many different areas, whether in church or in governments of or in different nations. Uh, Samuel's sons illustrate to us how corrupt leadership is born in our lives, whether it's for communities or the, the church or nations. In this example, we're going to see that, you know, when we decide to do things our own way, when we demand as a population or as a church or a family to do things our way rather than God's way, you know, the spirit of corruption is born and it's nurtured and then it continues and it will short circuit the uh, legacy that God wanted for our nation, for our families, 
or for our congregations. You know, we shall see Samuel's sons as corrupt and um, inept in leadership. And um, the community picked up on it and they realized that Samuel was old and he was about to die but they were not going to accept his sons to take over the mantle of leadership because they had seen how corrupt they are. Uh, And so they approached Samuel and told him, you know what, you're about to die, and uh, rather than leave us with your sons, who we have seen do all this kind of stuff, we um, we want you to appoint us a king. But see, God did not intend it that way. God wanted to stay the king of the children of Israel. He had appointed Samuel as judge and other judges to help uh, govern the people of Israel, but God was to stay as their king. But when they saw Samuel, they said, no, we'd rather do it our way. So their mistake here was that instead of going to God or asking Samuel that go to God for us so that we can see how we deal with this because your sons are not fit to lead us, they instead said, no, give us a human king. And that's where their mistake was in addition to what Samuel's sons were doing already. So in that context, let's read First uh, Samuel chapter 8, verse 1 through 9, and I'll join together with 5 through 9, and 11 through 12, and 14 through 15. Now, as Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, held court in Bathsheba, but they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and um, perverted justice. Look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like the other nations have. Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they say to you. The Lord replied, For they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they are are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the king and how he will reign over them. This is how a king will reign over you, Samuel said. The king will draft your sons and assign them to his chariots and as his charioteers, making them run before his chariots. Some will be generals and captains in his army. Some will be forced to plow his fields and harvest his crops. And some will make weapons and chariots, uh, chariot uh, equipment. He will take away the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his own officials. He will take a tenth of your grain and your grape harvest and distribute it among his officers and attendants. So now you see here the corruption of Samuel's sons is now that spirit of corruption has been created. That curse of corruption has been created by those in the spiritual realm, in the in the church or in the temple. Now, because they are unacceptable to the people and to God, but the people also, instead of going to God and saying, how do we deal with this? Instead, they go and tell Samuel that go to God. We want a king. We want a human king. God says, that's okay. Let him get what they want. But this is what is going to be continued. What Samuel's sons have started is going to continue. And it did continue. That is the spirit of corruption because he says... 
they will be corrupt they will take your money they will take your fields they will take your land and then some of them are going to be even in the military and everything that you produce the king is going to turn it over to his people and we see that all over the world where you know god has been kicked out of different areas of of our lives and so leadership have become corrupt they have become oppressive and they take people's land they take people's money they tax them unevenly and so you're going to see that all those things are going to happen and it's the spirit of um, disobedience to god in the church Uh, transcends and goes on and uh, goes into the general society and then we wonder where things uh, you know come from but it's because the things are spiritual first up here and God just says okay he, he, he puts his hands off and he says you guys have decided to do it your own way let it be and so that's exactly what happens in the world and that's what happened in the time of Samuel is in that um, the children of Israel decided that we want a human king and they forgot God God in other words God was no longer on top but was now a non priority in the children of Israel's life and we have seen that in our generation today we have become more and more secular and justifying everything that we want to do as people and then God lets us be and then we don't realize that there's so much that we have given away to the devil and that our legacy that we are creating is the legacy that is not what God intended for us to have however there is hope and in our discussion today we're going to see the final legacy which is the redeeming legacy of Jesus Christ Jesus gives us the redeeming example in his own life when he was uh, you know on earth and that what I would call the GPS rerouting that a spiritual GPS rerouting that we have in our lives today it takes us back to the promises of Jeremiah 29:11 where God says that you know I have a hope for you and the hope is for good and not for evil to help us succeed and Jesus in his example on earth gave us a way to go back to God. The Bible says that in Christ we are now a new creation and that all things have become new and all things have passed away and that's in 2 Corinthians 5:17. And furthermore we now have a new family legacy that self repairs through the uh, grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus did all the work and finished it at the cross. All we have to do is be in Christ and let the Holy Spirit guide us day by day, minute by minute, and it will reroute us back to um to um Jeremiah 29:11 as we have seen today. This new family legacy is very well illustrated in uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse through 8 and I read through uh from the uh New Living Translation again. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus Christ this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure so we praise god for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins he has showered us with his kindness 
uh, along with all wisdom and understanding. So you can see that God has created a plan for us to reroute you know, the spiritual GPS of rerouting where we go back to uh, the promises of Jeremiah 29, 11 and indeed other promises in the Bible. But this verse here is so beautifully says it that it's a family legacy. It fits in right with what we've been talking about, family legacy. We now belong to a new family of God and we have been adopted into this family by the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ when he died for us, when he came and became man. We now are pulled right back into the right route so that our legacy is different from what the sons of of Samuel did and the sons of Eli did. We have a way out. Remember the sons of Eli, because of what they did, there's not going to be an atonement for them. And so that family was cut off and basically the, the family of Samuel stopped and the Samuel of Eli stopped because their sin, God did not want it to continue. You know, he didn't want that DNA, sin DNA to continue into uh, into the human race. And Ephesians uh, 1 through, uh, you know, chapter 1, 5 through 8 illustrates it very, very well that we are now in a new family. And even as it says in um, in Second uh, uh, Corinthians 5, 17, that, you know, we are now a new creation. We are now a new creation. And so don't think of what you have been doing or what you have done or what your family did. Don't worry about the family curses that were created, the legacy that was created in your family, whatever it may be that it was that uh, you think, oh my God, my family has been cursed and blah. Blah, blah, blah. We've been doing this. My grandma did this. My father did this. My mother did this. Because you're now in a new family, your work now is to make sure that those family members also come into this family, this new family legacy that God has created for us so that they too can be redeemed and can be into this redeemed family legacy. There is hope for us. Yes, and there is hope for the nations. There is hope for cities that if we just do our part, in, in our families, in our lives, there's a way it multiplies. It's like our ministry. We feel that, you know, we can use the technology that we have to reach so many people. And we've had so many downloads from different areas. You know, at one time, United States was the biggest downloaders of our podcast. But now we've noticed that the statistics are showing that the biggest downloads are really from Kenya. You know, they're coming from Kenya. And so those people have caught on and they wait for our podcasts and they listen to them and they take the scriptures. They go, they use our app and they go and look at the blog. The scriptures are there. And even these scriptures that we have talked about today, if you go on our blog from our app, you're going to see that those scriptures are there. Follow through with them, read them and apply them to your life. And you're going to see that life is going to change and pray thusly, pray like that. So if you don't have our app or unable to use it, you can go on our, on the internet and download our blog or you can go to the blog site itself prayingwithimpact.com that is www.prayingwithimpact.com you're going to download our blog and you'll be able to read and you know have the scriptures with you or you can download again our podcast through um, africhristpodcast.com 
hopefully that's what you are listening to if not on our app or you can go on Spotify we, we are on Spotify or Podbean you can go to the Apple podcast we are there you can download these podcasts and put them on your phone so there are many ways we can reach people and have our generation uh, repaired so that the generational curses that have been going on can stop these things are possible and it doesn't matter what you do as far as vocation we can live godly in our vocation whatever it is that we are doing as long as it's not a vocation that violates you can be a politician and be an example you may not be able to change everything right away or everybody but just be an example and then people will say what makes that person tick you could be a physician a doctor you could be uh, a teacher you could be anything you could be anything and so i i admonish you to continue to plant the seed that will change the uh, generations to come in your family or in your um in your company in your nation in your city so let us pray uh, with impact so that god may lead us into uh, breaking these curses these family curses father we thank you for your grace through the finished work of the cross. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, which cleanses us from all unrighteousness, including legacy iniquities, the iniquities brought on us by our own families, uh, of, of ancestors, or whoever they may be, that those actions of the past may be, and, uh, may be erased by the blood of Jesus and the finished work of, of the cross at Calvary. It's all broken, and we declare your plans that you promised in Jeremiah 29-11 over our lives, over the lives of our children, over the lives of our cities, of our nations. Father, we thank you that this is done, that all you need is a few, because in your word you say that your eyes go to and fro looking for just that one in whom to show yourself strong on their behalf. We are those ones, Father. Let us use us, guide us, show us what to do. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters out there who have listened to this podcast. I ask you, Father, that you may help them. Show them what to do in their area, the area that you have given them. How to break the family curses. How to break the legacy of defeat. How to break the legacy of uh, of corruption. How to break the legacy of witchcraft. How to break the legacy of all those things that families have created, that people have created. Let not the curses of Eli's son or similar to Eli's son or Samuel's son follow our families, Father. Let them not follow our politicians, our leaders in business, in uh, schools, in churches, Father, that our generation will be cleansed by the blood of Jesus, Father. We thank you, Lord, that every one of those people who choose to follow or to change the destiny of their lives through the, the legacy of the redeeming legacy of Jesus Christ, Father, help them, guide them through the power of the Holy Spirit, lead them and teach them how to follow you, show them the scriptures that they need that are specific for them, Father, that they may re be rerouted back to Jeremiah 29, 11. Thank you, Father, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your love, and in everything we give you all the glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 
Thank you so much for listening in once again. And again, use those um, sources, resources that I told you about to download our app, to download our podcast, to download our blog. Read it through the internet and pass it on to your friends. You will be blessed and we continue to be blessed by your support. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.